Spend some time today talking about transit frustration. 680 CJOB's Richard Cloutier joined us with a documentary he put together on our antiquated transit system and some of the concerns, including safety. And we also spoke with a transit advocate who says, forget BRT, forget LRT. How about we just get timely service for what we do have? Also on the transportation front, what if you take your bike to work? There's a winter cycling seminar happening this weekend, and we have the question, are winter cyclists extreme cyclists? The small town salute, Beau Sejour Christmas on Park is back. Last year, it was an overwhelming success. So we'll tell you what they've got cooking up for this year. And we had a question for you. What's a cover song you didn't know was a cover song? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, November 23rd podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Was that a a gasp I just heard from your side of the studio, Greg? (laughs) Gasp, gulp, OMG. Yeah, that's that's biting. Although I didn't, when I came out this morning to get things going, roll the garbage carts out. I did start my car first, but uh, the wind was very limited, which makes it a little bit bearable. But you can tell that it's much colder than it's been, uh, probably for what uh, April, May, June, July, (laughs) ten months. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's cold out there, Loren. Did you? Well. It's one of those days that, you know, like, you know, it's coming. And then when it's here, you're like, what? Why are you here? I didn't ask you to come. I didn't see this coming. But yeah, I guess we've been lucky, right? That's what I'm trying to hold on to this perspective. It's perspective week for me. So I'm trying to hold on to that. <laughs> Take the money and run. Yeah. Right? It just, yeah. You, we went to four gray cups and also it's winter. So it's not too bad. And we had a great November. It's perspective week with Loren McNabb. And again, like the, the, the long-term highs here are actually a little bit better. Today's the cold day and then minus one tomorrow, okay. uh, minus two on Saturday, minus five on Sunday. There you go. So yeah, we've got a stretch of minus ones here and there, minus seven, minus five. So not too bad as we head into December. Eventually, it'll, we'll get the deep freeze, but enjoy this, I guess, while you can. Yeah, the sunshine is nice. You know, we talk about that all the time. Minus 20 and sunshine versus uh, minus one or plus one and rain or sleet or snow or slush. Um, sometimes I think uh, that's overrated, but I, I dig the sunshine. All right. So in the meantime, we uh, have the sounds of the game in our next segment. Big win for the Jets last night at 635. We are going to be visited by Global's Matt Cardi, who's going to be at the Rainbow Bridge because this uh, yesterday, Loren, was quite the... Horrific situation. It was deeply concerning because, of course, when you have an incident at the border, what started as reports of an explosion at or near the Rainbow Bridge at the Canada-U.S. border near Niagara Falls, there was cause for concern. We didn't have a lot of details in the first few hours. And so you had the border closed. You had neighboring crossings closed. You had airport down the road temporarily closed. There was all sorts of questions as to what happened. What on earth happened? Why did this explosion go off? And of course, the ultimate question was, was this deliberate and could it be terrorism? And so what we know this morning is that what started off with those kind of concerns around a terror attack, the FBI and the states haven't found any connection to terrorism. There was no explosives found at the scene. They're not sure what caused this car to crash and explode at the border. They're still looking into that. They believe a a New York man and his wife have been killed in that crash. They don't know what prompted that car to go off on a great rate of speed and then launch into the air and crash. And so there were just all sorts of reasons for concern yesterday. And I get that. So we're going to get more details from Matt Cardi at 637. But what was outright disturbing and concerning for me beyond the what ifs was the speculation from the non-officials on social media, like not not the police weighing in or the U.S. senators or the Canadian politicians, although some did weigh in and say certain things. There was the outright speculation of what this was and the immediate assertion from some on social media that this is terror. And then I had said to you guys, more concerning than that was what appeared to be, to me, glee, like a happiness, like we told you this was going to happen, or how is immigration working for you now? Like all the just leaps, the huge leaps that were made about everything from what happened to the cause to the color of the skin of the person behind the wheel. It was outrageous to me. And and I had a moment yesterday where I said to you, I think I'm done with social media. Like this is disgusting. 
Well, Kelly Moore calls it antisocial media for a reason, and it's just degenerated into, at times, a cesspool of horrific takes, uh, the need, the want to be controversial, the need, the want to be first. And, you know, and then when these sorts of things happen, in terms of the speculation on social media, social media and quote unquote the media get lumped all into one one pile and people will point and accuse and, and look at all oh, the media just has to have it first and, and, and not right. Well, there's a big difference between social media and the traditional media. And I understand that there are people on social media trying to make their name by getting things out there first, but when it's in- inaccurate and you have no basis and then doubling the down when yeah, they're wrong to, right. to just say, well, what, hang on. We don't, you know, because people are so wanting to prove their point. Yeah. Yeah, that the, it's the gaslighting the, the facts afterwards don't matter. That's it right. doesn't matter. It, it, I I was so upset by the end of the day yesterday that I and I yelled at my phone more than once, like like as if it was some sort of stranger in my room. Like, what are you doing here, and why are you saying that? Was basically how I was treating it yesterday. So, there we are. <laughs> All right, so we'll have more on that Rainbow Bridge situation at six thirty-five, and we just want to give you a heads up what we're doing tomorrow because we're going to be kicking off the holiday season tomorrow with the Christmas cheer board for this year's Christmas mirror. Collection Drive at St. Vitale Centre, which is happening tomorrow and Saturday. Cheerboard has been around for over 100 years, by the way, and this is the 40th anniversary of their Christmas Miracle event. And Greg, we will be live on location at St. Vitale Centre. That's right. So we encourage you to uh, stop by, see us at the food hall with donations cash, new unwrapped Toys, non-perishable food items, all contributions will help Christmas cheer deliver grocery hampers and gifts to families and young children in need this holiday season. And hopefully with the pre-December start, it will give them a jump start on assembly before the intended delivery period of December 8th to the 23rd. Uh, I know a couple of people have been there already yeah. getting ready and preparing. Uh, one of my boys was there with his classmates last week and they were uh, helping oh, wow. them set things up. So it's, it's a good start. Stuff. So we've got things to give away as well. That's right. Every donation dropped off, you'll be able to enter and win some stocking stuffers like tickets for a Christmas rock story, ice cube, and foreigner. And if you can't make it down, that's okay. You can donate anytime by texting the word cheer to 45678 or by heading to the Cheerboard's website at christmascheerboard.ca. And we've also got links for that stuff on our website, cjob.com. So the hours of operation this weekend, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. tomorrow, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And again, we'll be broadcasting live all day long on 680 CJOB at St. Fatel for the Christmas Miracle. And today we want to talk about cover songs. And Loren, yesterday you found a, a quite, quite an interesting question on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Cesspool. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a like a evil name for a superhero <laughs> film or whatever, Marvel comics. But yes, okay, so Eric Alper, who's a wonderful a contributor to CJOB on a regular basis just about his music takes and all the rest. He tweeted yesterday basically a simple question. What song cover is so famous that most people don't know it's actually a cover? And I thought, oh, I bet there are a ton of people out there that have a favorite that they either don't know or learn later in life. What? That's not their song. So that's our question today. 204-780-6868. Another way to go with it, too, is, you know, if what's a cover song you didn't know was a cover song? Uh, That's actually the same question. Never mind. Uh, The different direction is sometimes you hear a cover song that sounds completely different from the original, and you might think, that sounds familiar. Why do I know this? Let us know for a chance to win. We'll start with you, Mr. Ross Levitan, in for Cam Poitras. Well, the Beatles have had many songs covered, but the last song by a Beatle to top the Billboard Hot 100 was a cover song done by George Harrison. And I had no idea this was a cover before coming up, but uh, Got My Mind Set On You. Nice upbeat track. Uh, it was a James Ray song from 1963, so pre-Beatlemania. And then, uh, yeah, George Harrison, off the cup from Mark, from uh, one of his pals, made a, reminded him of it. And then there you go, in, uh, in the 80s, it's on the Top 100. I had no idea. That's not that. No? No, I must have hit the wrong one. Watch out. I got you. I got you. If you want to hit my uh, my computer here. Oh, or not. 
Can I, ch- can I change my answer? What Boy, song they is really this? changed that song. <laughs> this it doesn't sound like a cover at all. So it sounds I, like a complete re-engineering of the song. This is actually another cover too, though. So you want me to get a, another one here? So this is a great song from the 19, 1990s. No, this is a great cover too. This is Valerie, done by uh, by Amy Winehouse. Yeah, like, like the Steve Winwood song. No, yeah, so Amy Winehouse no. and Mark Ronson. Hey, better better answer. I got a better reaction from that one. I'll, I'll play. I'll play it again. Should I? I'll sing. I got my mindset on you. Coming up, sports seven twenty five. Trying to put it together. <laughs> Not so far, but uh, now I'm intrigued. Okay. Okay, that's cool. And I, I had honestly no idea my mindset on you that's was hilarious. a cover song as yeah. well. Yeah, great and song. You want me to sing it? Weird, no, I'm good. Weird Al had does a great cover of that too. His version is uh, this song is just six words long. Uh, super mu- super fun. Uh, Sarah McCarthy, what about you? So mine. First of all, I'll lead off by saying I am. I can explain. I was eight years old and I did not know. But this is not the original. Life is a highway, but I thought it was. <gasps> I wondered. No. No. <laughs> I was eight years old when this song came out in the movie Cars. The original Cars, 2006. This song by Roscoe Flatts, Life is a Highway. But obviously we know the original is Tom Cochran. (laughs) And Tom made way more money off the Roscoe Flatts version than he did off his own version. So he's more than happy with it. So yes, I would not say this is better. I'm just saying this is what I thought was the original. No, that's a, that, and I'm glad you did because that was the that was the song I was wondering. I, I bet you that that might be the most famous example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, because how many how many kids? How many times have you seen Cars, Loren? Seven billion four hundred and fifty-five. So many times. So many times. Uh, Forte, what about you? Oh, Sarah only has one. Yes, I do. What you got, Forche? Okay, well, mine, it's also from movies, and uh, this is from Ted, the the bad guy, Donnie. He was uh, dancing to it. Well, Tiffany, this is the cover. This is the cover. And I know a lot of people probably know the original. This is, I think we're alone now. Hmm. Yeah, this this is Tiffany's version. Yes. The original is Tommy James and the Shondells. Oh, cool. Okay. And I learned this from watching Cloverfield, or uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Okay. Which was, what, the sequel to Cloverfield? Ish. Yeah, I, that movie confused me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, when, that's where I learned that uh, Tiffany was a cover. Yeah. Like, that's like the only song she's known for. <laughs> <laughs> and she sung it in a mall, I think. Loren, what about you? Let's okay, all go so- to the mall. The song that I picked, and I, Forche, if you don't mind queuing it up there, it's you, he did the work of putting it in, in prod for me. This is a song that I wish I had the voice to sing because I just love the gravelly sound in her voice. And I, I think it's like quintessentially who, who she is. Hit it, Forche. So, of course, this is Janis Joplin, Peace in My Heart. I'd love to be on stage barefoot, being able to rock that tune. It's not hers. She recorded it like a year after uh, Franklin, Irma Franklin, who I, I honestly don't know who that is. But I discovered that late in life, just thinking of examples of her music that I love, Janis Joplin. And then it's like one of those things where you actually feel bad for the person who originally recorded it because you don't even know their name, let alone the fact that it's their song. But no, not not Joplin's. I had no idea. And Mackling, we had time to sneak yours in too. Yeah, are you sure? Let's do yours. No, no, no. Okay, okay. So you had to know that one of the greatest and most recognizable opening notes in hip hop history was a sample borrowed from another work of musical art. <laughs> right. Yep. Okay, the next episode from Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Dogg. That song is over 20 years old. Came out in 2001. Well, the sound bite, the sample is over 50 years old and it comes from composer performer David McCallum and producer David Axelrod. It comes from the late 1960s. Wow. Oh, crazy. Wait until you hear the shift. (laughs) No. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Wild, oh, wow. right? That's so McCallum, uh, the composer, uh, had a lengthy career in the movies and television. You may know David McCallum. Brett from uh, NCIS, 257 episodes. David McCallum passed away September 25th of this year. Cold. It's Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. And with winter setting in, the city is set, getting set to launch a community safety team dedicated to help deal with a range of issues on buses that has, in some cases, ended up in violence. So that safety team, it should be good to go in the weeks ahead by January, but it's not the only change the system is working towards. Our colleague Richard Kluche spent some time riding the bus this week. And if you're someone who uses transit or, or would like to use it but thinks it needs a lot of work, you're going to want to hear what Rich has to say. Good morning, Rich. Hey, good morning. And I can attest that, yes, it is a cold morning out here. And, yeah, buses are delayed, some not showing up altogether, inflamed at times by confrontation, compounded by homelessness. All has those many people that I've talked to who take the bus anxious for the city to tackle the violence and to just get the buses running on time. Sometimes I'm an hour late for work. The 44 to and from East Kildonan is part of Brittany Rondo's day, if the bus shows up. I've had to call Ubers or cabs because they just don't show up. They'll, they'll say on the app that it's coming and then it'll just disappear and then you're still waiting and then half an hour goes by and you end up calling a cab at the bus stop. And when it does, it can be a challenge. I hate bringing my daughter on the bus because it's that bad. There's been assaults we've witnessed. Normally, we'll put headphones in so she's not listening to things that are going on the bus. Um, And then I just explain, you know, everybody has their own different life stories and that we can't judge people. And one day we'll get a vehicle. The 44 worms its way from Kildonan Place north through the Kildonans, then south and west through Elmwood and Point Douglas downtown. 76 stops. Delays can slow it up, but transit officials acknowledge some buses simply don't show up. Cancelled because of a driver shortage. They do the best they can to find an operator. Kevin Sturgeon is a senior transit planner at the city of Winnipeg. A number of of spare operators and then once they're all out on the road they do look to find anybody else they can to fill that uh, shift and sometimes that just can't happen. But it's more than that. The system is broken. Routes dating back to the streetcar era can't stay on schedule and if you need to transfer you'll often miss that bus too. It's been a patchwork of expansions and changes. It's led us to a place where the system is so complex that it's hard for people to understand and it's hard for us to make targeted changes to solve the problems uh, that we have where we have them. Transit won't say how often buses disappear, but Amalgamated Transit Union President Chris Scott says it's happening more and more. There's not enough operators to operate the buses. We're still working on a reduction, even though indications are that the passenger loads are uh, coming up to pre-pandemic levels. Scott blames uncompetitive wages and danger on the job. Acts of violence uh, to the smallest thing are becoming the norm, which has also stressed out operators um, worried about the safety of, uh, of doing their job. And here's where the city and union play the numbers game. The city, using a criminal code definition, 87 attempts or gestures of violence so far this year on drivers. The union tracks incidents to drivers and riders, 42 assaults or physical contacts, and as many verbal threats. We asked Winnipeg police... The spokesperson telling us they're just starting to track the incidents. Well, having come from working the street the last few years as the uh, staff sergeant with the police service, I was seeing these symptoms, but I've really had my eyes opened in the last few months. Winnipeg's new the, uh, community safety lead, former cop Bob Christmas. We're dealing with the symptoms of displaced people, uh, partly around the meth crisis that's been ongoing for several years and partly around... Uh, exacerbated homelessness issues that are tied to, I believe, COVID. Why does this end up being a transit issue? A lot of people are getting on to stay warm and they're getting on to um, carrying sometimes a load of substances. 
and they're dealing with substance abuse issues. A lot of people are dealing with mental health issues that are living in the street. Christmas just retired after more than 30 years with the police service. He's always been a different type of police officer with a doctorate in peace and conflict studies. I view this as a, an opportunity to use great resources to solve some social problems in the city. Starting in January, 20 uniformed officers working in pairs will start showing up on buses and other problem areas. Members have peace officer status, the power to detain and carry what Christmas says are moderate weapons to be used only if necessary. Some people, if they're in a meth psychosis, you can't talk to somebody uh, rationally that's in that state. In cases like that, they may have to use uh, humane restraint, but hopefully we can talk our way through most situations. Christmas insists his team will collaborate with other agencies to make transit safer. And planner Kevin Sturgeon says the city is then poised to make the big changes to get the buses running on time. Increase that reliability and speed things up all the way across the city. Change to the A city hall committee voted this week to accelerate change, to eventually eliminate the 44 and all the other long, slow routes, converting to a system that works well in Seattle, Brampton, and Edmonton. That you may have to transfer, but you won't be waiting there for long because we have high frequency. It will take another 18 months and we'll finish what started along the Southwest Transit Corridor, downtown to the University of Manitoba. The high capacity, frequent service where you don't really care about the schedule as long as it's coming right away. And then the service that's less frequent, it can stay on time because it doesn't go through areas that are congested. The blue line has frequent buses every few minutes on that transitway and Pemina Highway, with feeder buses bringing riders from surrounding neighborhoods. There will be four more main routes, whether it's on transitways or not. The revised plan will be announced early in 2024 and switching to a new system in 2025. Will the entire network change or will this be kind of a progression? So Southwest Winnipeg changed already and the rest of the city will be changing from one day to the next in June 2025. It can't happen fast enough for Brittany Rondo. Hopefully whatever they do it gets better because yeah right now it's just it's not feasible for really anybody like it's sometimes I'd rather walk than deal with transit. You could argue it couldn't get any worse. This is good news for a lot of folks. The new community safety lead, Bob Christmas, will join Richard and Julie this afternoon. Chris Scott of the Transit Union will join Hal after 10 o'clock. And later this morning, Brian Pincott of Functional Transit will join us here on The Start. We are going to give away tickets for Frozen in Concert. But later on this morning, we're asking you, what's a cover song you didn't know was a cover song. And Gary, a.k.a. Sleepy Beefaroni, says this one's easy. Blinded by the Light from Man for Man. Greg Mackling, who did the original version? The gentleman who was supposed to be in Winnipeg November 10th on stage at Canada Life Centre. The boss himself, Bruce Springsteen. Turn up the band. learned this recently as well. I don't no think idea. I knew this at all. I know. Mackling, huh. <laughs> Mackling's singing along to it, but you say this is a rare, no, little known fact, right? Yeah, you know, you have to be of a certain age and sort of a boss aficionado. Uh, it's one of those famous, famous ones, if you know what I mean, in terms of the of the mm-hmm. uh, lesser known cover tunes. And the one, the, we didn't get to mine last half hour. I went with a, just a slightly different route. Sometimes you hear a song. It, this happens often in movie trailers mm. where they'll do like a haunting version of a song. Yeah. And th- this one sticks out for me in particular because when it finally clicked, it was like, oh my gosh. It was in the t- trailer for season five of the TV show Luther starring Idris Elba. So here's how that trailer begins. Baby, can't you see? I'm calling a guy like you should wear warning. It's dangerous. <laughs> I'm falling. This is better than the original. <laughs> oh, so you both know what it is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that happens a lot, and it, it's pretty cool. I think it's actually be. 
I could be wrong on this. I've never really looked into it, but I kind of wonder if it's become like a sub industry in music mm-hmm. to do these haunting covers that then get picked up in trailers and soundtracks. I was watching the NFL network and they were promoting the London games coming up and it was all symphonic music. And I'm going, hold on. That's Def Leppard. That's 625 Switch. Well, then I find out that Def Leppard did this whole concert with the London Philharmonic Orchestra. And now I've got a whole whole catalog of Def Leppard stuff to discover thanks to that. I so love thanks, when bands NFL do that. Network. I think that's cool when they do the symphony stuff, though. Oh. Like, it's really neat. Oh, yeah, it works. And metal and rock work especially well. Metal's roots are in our symphonic. Uh, Higher Ground by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's a Stee- Stevie Wonder song, right? Okay. It's our small town salute, and it was around this time last year that we learned of something that sounded quite magical as we get ready to ramp into the spirit of the season. And, Loren, this year it is back. It's called Beausager Christmas on Park, and it's happening tomorrow. And to tell us more, Anna Demer is president of the Beausager District Chamber of Commerce. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, come on and advertise our event again. Uh, I would uh, like to say that, um, or we would like to believe that it brought over 2,000 people out last year, and we were totally uh, shocked and overwhelmed and, uh, uh, I guess, very joyful. I guess so, because when we spoke to you this time last year, it was it was the first ever yeah, yeah. Christmas on Park, right? And so with, with 2,000 people turning out, was that way more than you expected, Anna? Yes, it was way more. Um, I think a lot of restaurants did not uh, were not ready for this amount of people. They ran out of food, and so this year we will all be prepared a little bit better. Anna, I feel like we need to apologize for giving your event so much so much uh, publicity and notoriety here. But I have to tell you that for weeks after, people were commenting on our discussion with you and how wonderful it was. So this warms my heart to know that this was such a success for Beausager last year. Do you have an idea of the, of the boost it, it gave to the local economy? You know, I do not have those numbers. Uh, but our executive direct, uh, director, Liz Pazeshka, she's got all the numbers, and I know it did, uh, uh, it did a lot of good to some of the business. Um, I know some, um, uh, a couple of business said that this was the best night they had of the year. So that, that says a lot, right? No kidding. I mean, and you sent us a picture of the event, and it's just wall-to-wall people. The whole street is packed, and it's quite uh, quite incredible. So what is happening this year? For those who missed Beausager Christmas on Park last year and might want to check that out tomorrow, what's happening? Well, we have over 40 businesses that are participating, and I'd like to point out, go to our Facebook page, Christmas on Park. Each of these businesses have uh, offer great deals all throughout the evening, and you will find, uh, you will find everything you need in Beausager. Uh, you can do your Christmas shopping, your, your, um, uh, your Christmas cookie shopping, your food shopping. Everything will be, uh, will be uh, available. The event runs from 5 to 9. Santa and Mrs. Claus will come by sleigh at 5.30. Uh, the town tree will be uh, lit at 7 p.m. with uh, speeches from our mayor and uh, our reeve. We have kids' activities all evening. Elf on a Shelf, uh, street hockey with the fire department, petting zoo, bouncy castle, storytelling in the library. There are, there are little unicorns, unicorns and alpacas uh, walking the street. So come on out and see the unicorns. Alpacas walking the street. Yes, yes. I love this. When I saw the pictures from last year, the reason why we wanted to bring you on is because it looked like something out of a Hallmark film. You know, the, the, the image that you had put out to show what you'd like it to be was so tremendous. And now you've seen what it can be. Is the talk in the town that you want to turn this into an annual event now? 
I think so. We will not get away with not putting on something like this uh, every year because people are uh, looking forward to it. The volunteers are just pouring in so that, you know, if volunteers are there, you know that people want this, right? So, Anna, for those that have never been to Beausjour, how do I get there from Winnipeg? How do you get there from Winnipeg? You just take Highway 59 North to Highway 44 East, and uh, and then uh, Beausjour will be, you will see Beausjour because it will be lit up. <laughs> well, now that that's one of the things I was curious about. Prior to this event, in in seasons past and years past, would you decorate park with uh, with Christmas lights for the season? Uh, yeah, the uh, the uh, Park Avenue is always uh, decorated a little bit, but not to the extent it will be this year. We also have a business decorating contest, which will encourage the businesses to to decorate more. We will have more lights. Uh, we, we will have more food trucks available. Um, besides all the beautiful restaurants we have, you will not go home hungry uh, this year if you did miss out on food last year. All right. Well, Anna Demare, thank you very much for joining us and look forward to hearing about how well it went. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity. You're welcome. Anna Demare is president of the Beausjour and District Chamber of Commerce talking Beausjour Christmas on Park. It's a free event tomorrow from 5 to 9 p.m. They had over 2,000 people. Crazy. Last year. I have the warm and fuzzies beyond words right now. Looking at the pictures that Anna shared with us of what it looked like last year. And Loren, you mentioned the fact that last year we sort of got the idea presented to us about what they hoped it would look like. And then to see that come to and hear Mm -hmm. that it came to fruition is just so heartwarming, especially in this economy right now. It was one of those pictures. I'm looking at it from last year. So what happened, I I had seen this post on social media. It had the snowflakes falling and all the lights in Beausjour and the Christmas uh, music playing and I thought oh wow that looks so cool they're hoping people come out and sort of fill the street close down the street and shop and you know have a good time let's bring them on and to hear that they had that kind of turnout in a time when people are struggling you know and working to find make ends meet as a business owner or other is tremendous and more than that now I know I can pitch my idea of a dating show in Beausjour <laughs> for Brett McGarry. Isn't that what came out of last year, the conversation where like, it looks so nice, you could find love in Beausjour too. I think it was one of our listeners who suggested that I might be able to meet somebody at the event. Big town, radio personality, comes to a small town, goes to the tree lighting ceremony. Turns and and looks, and there she is. There she is in her beautiful jacket, and of course, don't forget the scarf, the perfect makeup, the In the beginning, you won't get along. There needs to be animosity. You probably were mean to her in grade seven Mm -hmm. or something, you know? But, but, But in the end, now you won't kiss because it's Hallmark, but you will... Hold hands. And it will be per- perhaps Loren embrace. No, no, no. We don't want that to get crazy. Maybe like a hug. You're right. We could have a hug. It won't get sexy times. That's for the when the credits roll. But listen, Bozier Love on Park is coming to 2024. That's the name of the film. Love on Park. No, if it's Hallmark, it needs to be way worse than that. All right, Beausjour, Christmas on Park. I like how you, I was surprised you haven't walked out of the room by now. That's happening Friday, November 24th from 5 until 9 p.m. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. No discussion about, about cover songs. Can't. It has to include Under My Thumb, which is, this is performed by whom, Greg Mackling? This is uh, Streetheart, Kenny Shields and Streetheart. And uh, for my money, it's it's the best cover ever made. I know mm. I'll get pushback on that. I'm a little biased, Loren. I, I love anything uh, Manitoba-based. Uh, Streetheart's a Regina band, but they based themselves in Winnipeg for a long, long time. And this version is just so, so good. Wait, isn't Shields from here or no? Regina. <clears throat> he is too? Huh. <clears throat> oh boy. Like, speaking of things, 
Man, like we really did claim him as our own. Oh, yeah. And I mean, Streetheart came here lock, stock, and barrel, right? Yeah, Kenny yeah, lived yeah. here forever and a long time. They recorded live uh, albums here, they recorded studio albums here. So, yeah, I see. Oh, no, commit Saskatchewan. How did I miss this? It's not even a good name of a town. What is that? Ed was one of the people <laughs> suggesting this. Uh, I see Michael T. Bad, uh, Dave also. I'm, there, there are probably more. But uh, yeah, this is, and I used to remember, because I like the original By the Stones. Oh, and I, yes. Before I, you know, we're going back a long time, but I remember whenever I would hear this version on the radio, I think, why don't they go? Why do they always play this version? And at the time, I had I didn't know who they were. I had no idea about their Manitoba connection, so I get it. And I think it, I'm not prepared to declare it, but the the bridge in this song with the, the sort of the slow build at the end might be my favorite favorite part of any song ever because it's so chill and kind of like you like you can picture him like tiptoeing across the stage, and then it just it's this slow, unbelievable build. And it's uh, and do, don't the Stones like this one better? That's the that's the urban legend. Yes, I would never go on the record as to saying that because I've never read it, but I've heard it from people in the music business that, that that's that's the word. Yeah, just say it. You think you think they're listening today? <laughs> Let's just declare it. I did not have on my bingo card of things to do today misquoting Mick Jagger, so I'm not going to do that. As I ranted at 607 about how I hate misinformation right. and people spreading rumors, here I am like, yeah, no, Jagger said that for sure. Uh, so keep those coming. What is a cover song that you did not know was a cover song or perhaps a cover song that's so famous that people don't realize it, uh, that, that it's a cover song? 204-780-6868 for a chance to win tickets to see Frozen in concert this Saturday at the Centennial Concert Hall with the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. We're also in the process of updating our question of the day at cjob.com, and it's going to have to do with transit. We heard from Richard Cloutier's, uh, Richard Cloutier at 7.05 on safety concerns, and the question is going to be, what frustrates you about taking the bus or keeps you from taking the bus? Safety not fast enough or delays or no options in my neighborhood. So that's tough because it could be one of the above, could be mm -hmm. all of them. Uh, I know I had a buddy who lived sort of at the edge of St. Anne's. He was a block or two shy of the perimeter. So in order to, if he wanted to take a bus, he had to catch one of those feeders mm -hmm. that showed up like once every hour and a half or something. Man, good luck if you miss that. Yeah, because like, you then you're waiting forever. That's right. You can't build You can't build your daily routine around that if those buses are unreliable in whether or not they're going to show up or not. Like, they have to be, like, if you're counting on people to not have frequent yeah. transit service, then the service that does show up has to be on time every day. People need to be able to set their watch by it, whether whether transit or, or other folks at the city understand that or not. Or at least have it at some of the major destinations. Like one thing that crossed my mind, I was in and out of Vancouver a couple of weeks ago um, and took the SkyTrain oh. to where I was staying. And I thought from the airport, right? And I thought, what is the option if you land at the airport in any other major city? You look to the sign and you think, okay, here's my Uber pickups. Here's my shuttles to the hotel. Here's my transit option. Is that really even an option? I mean, I know it exists. There's a bus, and it's There's almost a, I, and, always and I, at the airport. I, and I know it's. But do people take it? Does it make sense? Does it get you right downtown or right to the university or wherever you might be going for that conference? I'm just curious. I actually don't know, but I was wondering that after I took the SkyTrain. Information and disinformation, Loren. I understand. I just missed a heated debate. Well, you know, we have a meeting in the morning just to talk about different things that might be going on and what events we want to cover. You know, City Hall has a big vote today on, on housing and how to access more money from the feds. But what kind of changes will we have to make to get to that? We've been talking transit and transit safety. And, you know, like we're in the business where we tried as much as possible. Our goal is to disseminate facts. And then, you know, on our talk shows, of course, we have opinions and then you try to work in and around that. And I was so bothered. I had said this just after six, you know, with the incident at the Rainbow Bridge, which officials are saying has no signs of terrorism as they know it right now. But for hours yesterday, there was, of course, spe speculation with that 
explosion of a car or a car crash or whatever the term they want to use of it at Rainbow Bridge near Niagara Falls between New York and Ontario, there was, of course, all the speculation. Oh, my gosh, could it be an intentional attack? And of course, you're going to speculate that because the, the bridge got closed down, which makes sense. They closed neighboring bridges just as a precaution. There was a Buffalo, I believe the airport was briefly closed again as a precaution. Officials said, we're doing this as a precaution. We don't have information. But it, as soon as I went on X or Twitter, it was just flooded with people retweeting and retweeting and retweeting what they believe to be facts. And so I get super, my back, I get my back up about this kind of stuff because you want to be so careful with the information you shared the same way you would want to be careful with saying, hey, did you hear so-and-so um, is ill or so-and-so is having an affair? Like the rumors that get spread in your own neighborhood are no different than the rumors that get spread about a major news event. And so I'm genuinely curious how people fact check themselves and then what their criteria is for sharing that information with someone else before they may or may not even know it to be f- to be true. Well, I can give an example much less serious than terrorism. I can go back 20, 25 years and calling my friends or my friends calling me with a hockey trade news and it being completely made up by them or somebody else in order just to sort of get someone's goat. Uh, but in the social media age now, you have all sorts of trade rumors, acquisition rumors. This individual has been suspended for this reason or that reason. And so I can recall it was coming up to an NHL trade deadline and one of my kids came running downstairs to say, oh, the Jets got so-and-so. Really? I hadn't heard that. Um, Typically, we hear that as early as anybody else (laughs) being in the business we're in. So I said, okay, who said that? He showed me the account. I said, so, or the the tweet. I said, so let's go on this this person's account or this company or entity's account. Let's scroll back through some of the things they've tweeted out in the last little while. Oh, well, this was false. That's blatantly false. That became accurate. And you quickly realize that the source that he was using, the one source on social media, was plain and simply wrong and was wrong on the regular about things, if not wrong on purpose. And so when my kids come to me about things, whether it's sports, news or otherwise, we have the conversation about, well, where did you hear that? What was the source? And we try to reverse engineer that before we go around telling people that this is what has happened. I mean, something as important or not important as the weather, Brett, how many conversations do we have leading up to the West final at IG Field and up to Grey Cup? And we go, well, this website saying that, Environment Canada saying this, to make a declarative statement on what was going to happen in the weather is foolhardy by any of those organizations. They know it going in, but more foolhardy would be for us to put our trust in any one single source on, on something like that. And how many times do you see on social media people sharing, oh, so-and-so has died. Mm. Like, where, did you, where did you get that? Right. Or I think I've also seen so, oh, so-and-so has died. Like they died five years ago. Five years ago. Right. Like, so yeah, you got to be so, and I typically, if there's something that is being shared where it's not, that it's not accompanied with a link to a familiar organization, it's just a, a statement. Or even if there is a link, I, I'll, I'll still double check and triple check we've had listeners ask us questions like, hey, did you hear such and such? And we're like, uh, nope. no, I haven't heard anything about that. I'll have to look. And then I look mm-hmm. and I look and eventually you might find something, uh, but it's just been twisted and, and gets shared and reshared. And then at least people are curious and they're asking questions. And um, but here, here's another example that 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 is in my nerd world on pop culture. I like to go to YouTube and I would imagine a lot of people might get a lot of their news from YouTube on whatever the topic is. But when it comes to pop culture stuff, there are people who out and they have reputations from what I can gather on YouTube for just being for outright making things up. Mm-hmm. They just, they, if it's, uh, there's one guy, his name is Mike zero. He does star Wars videos. And I like watching star Wars videos cause I'm a geek, but I learned very quickly 
to stop paying attention to anything he says because he comes out with all these these bold declarations and there's and there's no evidence of it anywhere on the internet. And I finally just came to the conclusion he's just making this stuff up to get clicks. And then as it turns out, other people have outed him for it. So mm-hmm. that's another thing. Even if you're watching something on YouTube, you got to make sure that the person is citing, hey, I read this in The Hollywood Reporter yeah. or I read this in the here. Blank. Yes. And, 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 and there's sites that get created to make it look like it's a real news organization. Oh, the, gosh, he- yeah. the, the letterheads or whatever you call it, the, the logos for or- news organizations have been repurposed by fake sites so that you might think you're reading it from what you would have previously deemed a reputable organization. And then the question I have, and if there's any educators in the audience, I'd love to hear from you. How are we managing media literacy in school age kids? As we have this conversation now about us as grown adults struggling to understand this onslaught of information, how are our kids processing it? You know, I'm old, like I'm 46 years old. So when I was writing papers back in junior high or high school, you go go to the library, you trusted that book to be a good source, then you dealt with the encyclopedia. Right. Now the kids go online. How are teachers managing to look to the kids and say, Okay, these that website you just pulled that information from, I wouldn't go there. Or make sure you triple check that figure or that stat or that piece of data with three other sites to see if it's comparable. Like find the right information. How on earth are they doing that when there's billions of pages of right and wrong out there? Well, uh, you know, I can only speak for my experience in school. The biggest concern or one of the concerns that I recall studying is truth in advertising. And I can remember spending multiple days watching television commercials and breaking down the types of, you know, is it a personal endorsement? Is it a jingle? All these different things about how these products are sold and described. What is the promise here? Is that realistic? Are you getting a false narrative? Do the visuals add up with what the product can actually do for you? And so this is going back 40 or more years, that was our big concern, or one concern was this idea of truth in advertising. And now when you have to go to all these lengths to make sure the information that's presented to you as fact in certain areas, and it's completely made up, completely made up in some situation, that's a whole other level of concern for me as a parent. Right now, we want to talk about how in just over a month, a new community team dedicated to improving safety on our buses will hit the streets. So according to the Transit Union of Winnipeg, so far this year, bus operators have flagged 223 different security concerns to the city. So that can be anything from, you know, a verbal threat, uh, assault of a driver or other passenger. That's 223 incidents so far this year, which is way more than when the 130 security incidents reported through the union all of last year. So the safety team you mentioned, of course, Brett, hopefully will make a big difference here, but it's just one of many issues transit riders are dealing with and one of the subjects we're going to tackle here on CJOB throughout the day. We're joined now by Brian Pincott with Functional Transit Winnipeg. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. We often talk about safety on buses and bus shelters, but you're a big rider. If there's one sticking point for you, you know, if you had a list of priorities, where where would you start? <laughs> ah, I would start with making sure that the bus comes when it's supposed to come and that the connections and transfers come when they're supposed to come. Uh, I think that is right now probably the biggest barrier to more people riding the system. Brian, uh, I've been fascinated by the idea that creating a, a transit system for those who want to ride it versus those who need to ride or use yeah. it should be an aspiration for all cities of a certain size. Are we anywhere close to that in Winnipeg? Um, we're not close to that right now, but but uh, City Council is looking at uh Speeding up the transit master plan, which was approved a couple of years ago, uh, and the foundation for that, the backbone of that is putting in a frequent service network. That's the starting point of that. And, and that, what that means is that we will, have, we will start with having a network where 
close to 80%, like something like 75% of Winnipeggers will live within walking distance of a bus stop where the bus will come within 15 minutes. Um, and that is, that is the start of having an effective, efficient transit system that people can rely on. And we're looking at starting to put that in place in 2025. Well, that kind of ties in with our next question. And, you know, City Hall voting this morning on a plan that would see it unlock millions in federal funding for housing as long as it agrees to make changes to zoning requirements. And one of those changes would be to allow developers to build four-story building blocks as long as they're within a certain distance of a transit line. So just how crucial is to have that that tie-in? Like, how does transit or how do transit and housing go hand in hand? Oh, they are they are inseparable. I mean, you need uh, to have, um, to support the kind of density that we need from a a fiscal sustainability perspective, from making sure that we're providing enough housing for people, you need to have uh, a transit system. But to have an effective, efficient transit system, you need enough people to be able to ride it. You need a certain density of people to be able to support that transit system. So they, they work hand in hand. And I think it may be a bit of a coincidence that these two things are landing at city council at the same time or roughly the same time. Um, but it's, uh, it's a happy coincidence because you, you, we can actually tie the necessity of increased housing density, increased housing choice with the necessity for increased transportation choice of which transit needs to be that backbone. Brian, I think there's a certain segment of the population that would say, I'd take transit except for the following. And then there are those who just have perceptions of transit, you know, that it's just not for me. I don't need to. I don't want to. Should the goal be, you know, if you, especially if I think of Europe, I know it's much more densely populated, smaller land size in many countries, but it's, it's a, it's a want. You want to get on the bus or the, the train because it's the easiest way to get around. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, and, and it's it's time. I, I you know I uh, I take the bus. I read. I, I read way more when I take transit. Um, uh, it's a more efficient use of my time. But I think that 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 this is about creating a, a, a service, putting in place a service that works for people door to door. And when I look at what the transit master plan is proposing, not just in the frequent service network, but also in the supporting infrastructure and things that go around it to make sure that you can actually walk to your bus stop, to make sure that there you can ride your bike to a transit hub and there's a place to park your bike. I mean, right now, how many bus stops do we have around the city that are islands because there's not even a sidewalk to get to the bus stop? Why would you take the bus if you, if you can't even walk to the bus stop? Um, so those are the kinds of things that 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 need to be done that that needs to be taken seriously. Again, to go back to sort of the first point, which is to build a system where people um, where it's a viable choice for everyone, as opposed to a system that is only there for people who have no other choice. Brian Pincott with Functional Transit Winnipeg. Thank you for the time. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for covering it. Mackling McGarry McNabb on the subject of cover songs that you didn't know were cover songs. I just want to quickly mention this at 735. We were joking about, you know, my reality dating show or Hallmark movie in <laughs> Beausager. What would the Hallmark movie be called? Oh. And Eve came up with one, said it would be called Broadcasting Enchantment. <laughs> oh, that's very good, Eve. One of the listeners mentioned it should have some sort of happy golf ending to it, which had me, of course, looking for golf puns like, uh, you know, I golf you on my mind or... <laughs> You are my cup of tea. <laughs> Who's your caddy? It could be a more oh, raunchier That would not be the Hallmark version. <laughs> <laughs> but on the subject of cover songs, you didn't know were cover songs. We're playing I Go Blind. You might know it from Hootie and the Blowfish, but Greg, as John McTavish pointed out, who does the original? 5440. 
John says inferior cover, but most know it because it was included on Friends and, well, because Hootie and the Blue Blowfish were one of the biggest bands sure. in the world for a time in the late 1990s. People loved Hootie. And 5440 probably made a ton of money off of it. Just like, I sure hope they did. Well, someone wrote that they actually won, had more money from that song via Hootie than all of their other hits there combined. There you go. And uh, here's another one from the 90s you might know. Remember a song called Torn by Natalie Imbruglia? Yeah. And she was actually an Australian soap star, I think. Oh, yeah. oh but turned, I didn't know that. Uh, but she, that song was huge in the 90s. Like, huge. One of the most played songs on the radio, I think, of the decade. But uh, very few people know it's a cover song from, like, 1991. Hmm. I didn't know that. Nope, me either. Lee pointing to, and I think Forte just played it yesterday or the day before. Maybe it was the day before when we were talking about dumb injuries. But uh, Johnny Cash... Hurt, excellent song. That's a cover song from a Nine Inch Nails song. And you have Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails says, I, I can't even listen to my version anymore because this is yeah. this is the version. Oh, it makes you weep yeah. if you just turn it up loud and sit somewhere by yourself and listen to it. Um, we had one on uh, Nazareth. Yeah, covering Joni Mitchell's This Flight Tonight. Of course, Nazareth made that a rock anthem, more or less, in Canada. Joni Mitchell... Uh, not so rocky. <laughs> and uh, Joan Chet, I didn't know this. I learned this this morning covering the arrows. I love rock and roll. Both of these were a surprise to our listener. Uh, the Joni one I found out earlier in life, but the arrows was a new discovery in the past few years. It was huh. a discovery in the past few hours for oh my me gosh. as well. Yep. I feel like I went to music school and failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. But our winner ties into, oh, is this the original? Yes, that's the the arrows. Huh. This is good. Yeah. I think I might like this more. <laughs> I like the bass. Yeah. It's a bit more grimy. I it's also <laughs> Joan Jett is also one of those it's one of those like social songs that I've heard a billion times. Socials yeah. ruin that song for me also, Brett. But our winner ties into Sarah McCarthy's pick. Sarah, if you're listening, listener Brettany says, Life is a Highway by Rascal Flats. I always thought it was their song until I was at an insurance event and Tom Cochran was the performer. Oh, snap. <laughs> and Life is, Life is a Highway was his last song. I, Brittany says, I embarrassed myself at the table. Why and is he let's, doing, let's just say why that. Why is he doing a cover song? Oh, <laughs> no. There you go. So, Brittany, congratulations. You win the tickets for Frozen in Concert at the with the WSO Centennial Concert Hall on Saturday night. So, back in 2018, Winnipeg City Councilor Jeff Rawati said people who ride bikes in the winter are, quote, extreme cyclists. Five years later, you will see that two-word phrase in many forums and social media posts when discussing the merit of clearing snow from cycling lanes and active transportation paths. Yeah, and this weekend, Bike Winnipeg is hosting an online event, Winter Cycling 101, Defrosting the Myth. One such extreme cyclist joins us now. We say good morning and welcome back to the start, Patty Weens. Hi, Patty. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. How's life in the extreme world of uh, winter cycling? <laughs> oh man, it's great. It's wonderful. Let's let's reintroduce you and uh, your daily commute to our listeners that maybe have never heard you on our show uh, before, Patty. How do you get to work most days? Um, by bike. I actually did a math, and last year I only took the bus 14 total days over the winter. So, yeah. Mostly my bike. Okay, so what does your route look like? And, and feel the, free to be as specific or, or general in terms of your route as you like. You know, the, there are some things that we, we may want to keep private. <laughs> sure. I take the Yellow Ribbon Greenway for half of my route. And then the other half, in the winter, I take St. Matthews. And in the summer, I try to go through Wosley and take the sun, you know the sunny and... Uh, beautiful route instead of having to deal with St. Matthews. But in the winter, it's just, you know, spending less time outside is better. And, you know, it's usually easier to go where cars go in the winter because those routes get cleared a little faster. So when you tell people 
that you take this bike to work, you know, as much as you do every single day in winter, has the reaction, say, today changed for versus what it would have been a few years ago? Or do people still look at you like using the word extreme rather than, <laughs> oh, that makes sense? You know, I do get that. Like, you're crazy. I can't believe you do that. And I've only been doing it. This is only my second winter. And I should tell you, I am Brazilian. And I started it at 50 years old. So I do get a lot of looks. I do get a lot of people saying that I, they can't believe I do that. And yes, the word extreme is used. But, you know, no one says extreme when you go for a 40-minute walk outside. And really, if you dress appropriately, there really isn't a lot of difference between going for a walk and going for a bike ride. Now, we know our climate is somewhat unique. The snow is one thing. The cold is the other. So what can you tell us about winter cycling in other places? Well, it is unique, uh, kind of. Uh, in Finland, they have sort of the same climate as we do, and they cycle year-round, and they don't even bat an eye because they have the infrastructure for it. So to say that it's crazy that we ride in winter, it's just, you know, it's another Winnipeg-ism. Yeah, it feels like a, a little bit of a myth for some people. I mean, I, I commend you, Patty. The hours of the day, first and foremost, don't really allow me to, to cycle into work. And I don't know if I could do it in the winter. But one of our listeners, Chris, says, Patty is the reason I'm now a winter cyclist. She Aww. made me realize that if you dress for the weather, it's actually not so bad. So I follow you on Instagram. I love your posts <laughs> and you, you know, you share some details with regard to some of the equipment that you use. And you got, you got some sort of some new, dare I call them mitts the other day, Patty? Yes. Yeah. Tell us about oh, them. Yeah. So they are called pogies. And these ones I got from the Netherlands and they basically are bar mitts. They cover the front handlebar, and that way I can just hide my hands in there and be nice and warm. Um, I have a lot of accessories that I like to use. My favorite that I tell everyone about is heated insoles, because the one thing that gets really cold is your feet. Because even though you're moving your feet, you're not really touching the ground and creating that friction to warm them up. So I tell everyone, listen, if you want to become a winter cyclist, you need to get the equipment, the little accessories that are going to make it easier for you to endure the cold. And for me, it's those two things, the pogies and the heated insoles. And then I can just do anything. The cold is nothing. It's really about whether the trails have been cleared. And uh, the city has been a lot better in clearing the trails as well. I think there's a little bit more priority into making sure that people can go to work any way they want, not just by car. You know, any kind of active transportation is preferred. These mittens are basically handlebar mittens. They're the mittens for yeah. the handlebars that you slip your hands into. They're cool looking. I hadn't even heard yeah. of those before. So when you talk about it, doing better in terms of how they're clearing better for the winter for people who want to bike like you or even walk, right? Like lots of people just socially want to get out for a walk, not just to exactly. get to work. Do you think then that that's a sign that that they're getting it or is it that actually we're seeing more cyclists out there you know like how many more do you see on your commute now than you might have a few years ago it's a lot more and i get a lot of feedback on my instagram and we have um, a small discord group where we talk about winter cycling all the time and and i do have people saying you know what i i looked at your instagram or i looked at what you do and if you can do it and I can do it too. And, and that's all I want is for people to see that that is possible. You know, if I can do it at my, you know, at this stage in life and being Brazilian, honestly, I used to dress like a, like head to toe just to walk to my garage. So if I can do this, it's definitely <laughs> possible. But there is a change in the mentality. I think our leadership as well. I mean, our mayor, he rides his bike you know, I, I don't think he's a winter cyclist quite yet. We'll get him yet. We'll get him out on a winter ride yet, and we'll set him up with some studded tires, and we'll get him out. But he is a cyclist. So there is we need buy-in from the leadership, and I think that our current mayor has that. You know, and, and uh, Deputy Mayor Janice Lukes, too, is a big proponent on uh, 
active transportation. So it, it feels like we're making really, really great headway in that. No, and, and I. Our guest, by the way, is Patty Weens, Bike Winnipeg, hosting an online event, Winter Cycling 101, Defrosting the Myth. That's happening this weekend. And I kind of wonder if maybe one of the reasons why some would describe winter cyclists as extreme cyclists is because the conditions can be difficult, not necessarily the cold, but if there is a big snow dump or if the, the roads haven't been cleared or even if they have been cleared, but sometimes that snow just gets piled up and the, the width of the road becomes smaller. So like, cause in, in, so there, like I can tell you it's how many times do you end up behind a cyclist in the winter and you just, you can't get around because the road's not as wide. Exactly. And everybody seems like um, drivers specifically kind of get angry that we're out there and, you know, what I try to tell people is, listen, the more cyclists you see, the less cars are going to be in your way. Have a, have a second. Just take, take a breath <laughs> and let us get to the next stop where we can pull over so that we can let you through. You know, we're just, we're not trying to be extreme. We're trying to get to work. You know, there is this conception that we just want to do it for fun. We, we really just want to get somewhere. We don't want to be in your way any more than we want, you know, than you want us to be in your way. So we are hoping that in the next, you know, few years, we will be able to get more dedicated bike lanes so that more people will choose that. I mean, gas prices are skyrocketing. Parking downtown is $180 a month, right? Even even a bus pass for me is so much money every year. Um, the bike is just uh, just a better way for me to get to work, and I get the bonus exercise, uh, you know, on the way. Well, and not to mention you're in control of your own destiny in terms of your schedule, whereas with transit, as we've been discussing this morning, uh, it's a little bit less reliable than relying on your own two legs, your pedal power. So Winter Cycling 101, Defrosting the Myth. Tell us about this event you're you're, you're, I think you're the actual host of it online. Tell us how people can get involved. They have to register. Give us the uh, Coles notes. Sure. You go to bikewinnipeg.ca, and on there you will see under Winter Cycling News, there is a link to the live stream on YouTube. You do not have to register. We ask that you go there right now so that you can ring the bell on YouTube and be notified so that you know but there's no need to register and you can send in your comments. I'm really excited because our panelists are from all over the world. Uh, one of my heroes in winter cycling is Tom Babin and he's from Calgary. He's the, he's, he was sort of my inspiration on what I needed to get started in with winter cycling. So I'm really excited that he said, yes, I just reached out to him and he said, sure, I'd love to do. And so I also reached out to Pega Takola from Finland um, and Patrick and Jasmine, they have this uh, a very famous YouTube channel as well called uh, Oh Dear Vanity. And we do have two women from Winnipeg who are winter cyclists. One of them is Meryl, who works um, at the wrench. And the other one is Julia, who is on the board of Bike Winnipeg with me. And we've become friends over the past year. So you don't have to register. Just go online, bikewinnipeg.ca, and you'll follow the link to the YouTube channel. You can send in your questions and we're just going to talk about how to get started and how it's, you know, it's actually easier than you, than you think. Love it. Uh, one of our listeners saying last Thursday when it was snowing heavy in the morning, I passed four other cyclists on the gateway rally path on uh, their way to work. So uh, it, it's catching on Patty. We appreciate you very much. Thanks for the insight and good luck with the event on Sunday. Thank you. Thank you so much and all the best to you guys. And uh, let's get you out on a bike in winter one these days. Patty Weens joining us live on 680 CJOB from Bike Winnipeg. Again, the event Winter Cycling 101, defrosting the myth.